0: Well, Thank you very much, Carol. Uh, <clears throat> it's very difficult to dive into this area uh, and spend just 10 minutes on it. So I won't really talk about research, although there are some interesting questions, I think, coming out of, in a sense, both streams of uh, research funding coming into one body, and various observations about how impact might be interpreted in the future, and whether bodies other than universities might be eligible to bid for research funds. So. Leave that to one side, because I think for me um, a key area of development or direction um, lie in a set of cognate notions or cognate concepts: quality, standards, learning, regulation, risk. Uh, in a sense, they're all connected, um, not least through uh, puzzling over what will happen to the quality assurance agency. Um, and I think this is all wrapped up in what we might call a regulatory turn in external quality assurance, not least towards risk based um, regulation, risk based quality assurance, and what that might mean. Um, one thing it does mean is that almost certainly the long established idea that track record is a key to quality and to compliance and to a certain general respectability is gradually being ditched. That is seen as a protectionist concept that uh, militates against the growth of so-called challenger institutions. This is a very unobserved and but yet significant development. The idea of track record which has been around for centuries or more as a touchstone of quality and a touchstone of, of compliance is being in a sense rejected against an all-encompassing model that suggests that monitoring or oversight or assurance should be much more selective based upon estimations of risk. But unlike the Quality Assurance Agency's more recent practice, risk is not associated with track record. We have yet to see how it will be measured but it seems to be not confined to one particular set of institutions. I think I would also want to say, what will happen to the Quality Assurance Agency? I think quite rightly it's been preserved in the face of some of the um, attempts by the Higher Education Funding Council to bring it to heel. Uh, What we do have, I think, is a very interesting position for it, that is, the opportunity for it to become designated by the Secretary of State, following a recommendation by the Office for Students, but also uh, from the sector. Uh, in inverted commas. That is it has to enjoy the confidence of the sector. Um now number one priority for the Quality Assurance Agency is to become designated. Whether that will mean they will become statutory, I think will be an interesting question. Um that will be a very sharp departure from the self ownership, if you like, that the sector has had of quality assurance under contract to the funding council. Um but if almost certainly it will undertake some statutory statutory responsibilities but its statutory locus is not yet clear I think the other interesting implication is if the quality assurance agency has to demonstrate that it enjoys the confidence of the sector how does it do that um, well obviously one um, interpretation is it must get universities UK and probably guild HE to say they have confidence in it, um, I think what the media might pick upon is the fact that those organisations actually own the quality assurance agency. And whether you're asking the owners of the quality assurance agency to express their support for it, I think an interesting way that might might happen. Um, obviously, it might say no, we we don't actually support it. In which case, you might ask, well, you're the owners, why don't you? On the other hand, they might say, well, yes, we do support it, in which case the contrary observation will be, you're the owners, you would say that, wouldn't you? So there is, a, I think, a conundrum here that has to be uh, a, a addressed and, and resolved in, in some way. Um, I think uh, perhaps uh, the danger might be, uh, if you may not see it as a danger, that the quality assurance agency, in demonstrating support from the sector, might go easy on the sector, might not. But there must be a temptation surely uh, for a couple of years at least not to rock the boat too much. is that the right way to proceed or not that might not happen but it is a potential danger we'll have to see um, a bigger challenge I think for the culture assurance agency and similar bodies is that the um, apart from the the jettisoning of track record as a touchstone is um, the growth of alternative interpretations of quality that is instead of like a procedural bureaucratic monitoring of quality particularly the quality processes of institutions um, we are now finding that um, a a more anti-bureaucratic pro-consumer approach based upon the use of the student experience, student surveys, some guide to the student consumer experience is seen as a much wider acceptable and broader notion of quality and that's simply residing in ancient um, compliance with the uh, academic canons and so forth rankings of course are another alternative, uh, you might argue a consumer based alternative as well quality assurance and um, it's only been around about three decades in, in its current format um, around Europe and elsewhere I think faces enormous challenges not least from these alternative methodologies it also I think is challenged by um, the idea of risk-based regulation risk-based regulation has been around in many other sectors before it's part of the so-called better regulation um, movement um, and it's late to higher education risk-based regulation is the idea that you don't actually monitor everybody in the same cyclical standardized way treat everybody the same you in some sense scope the sector for risk quite how that will be done I think will be an interesting question not done that successfully in Australia where it's been introduced and then you devote your resources accordingly you select where there is greatest risk to the basically the regulators objectives as well as the consumer um, how that will be done without masses of data I, I don't know The best way to do it is by deliberative conversational regularity with institutions, not least at street level, field officer level. But one of the problems, of course, is that both regulators, assurers, and those they regulate or assure face declining public resources. That is one of the reasons for risk-based regulation. Well, a number of reasons, but one reason is how do you cope with declining resources as a regulator or a quality assurer? Well, you become more more selective. How do you justify it? You do it on the basis of risk. Risk seems to be that sort of predictive tool that enables you to say this is where most risk is to be found and where most risk is likely to crystallise, in the language of insurers, into an adverse event, either in terms of probability or impact, which is the the standard way of doing it. Um, I don't think it's going to be very easy uh, to use risk-based regulation in the way that's being suggested um, and we might find that the consequence is a, a data overload um, that will be very difficult to, to to reduce see the idea of of quality assurance and regulation is you, you don't actually try and dampen what goes on unlike criminal law criminal law the idea of criminal law is that you prescribe something it's not good it's got to be stopped regulation is not that regulation is there is something very valued like university education that needs nonetheless to be accountable and to be directed in some way therefore the constant dilemma with regulation and quality assurance for that matter is you've got to demonstrate an accountability and transparency because that's the new governance if you like in higher education as well as elsewhere to show that in terms of taxpayers' funds and students' funds and the general national interest, you're on track in some way. You are providing an assurance. Um, you can incorporate self-regulatory activity into that, namely a self or sector-owned body like the Quality Assurance Agency, provided it's part of a regulatory regime, where you've got others like BIS or the media or parliamentarians who can also question and interrogate. And I think that's likely to be the way it will develop in the future. Um, I I would also say that uh, um, Higher Education Commission, very final thought, has just produced uh, a report on big data, uh, particularly predictive analytics. So if you haven't read it, I hope you have a chance to do that. We very long, exhaustive inquiry. Um, Big data, as you know, is the availability of lots and lots of data now. No need for random sampling anymore. We've got all the data on there. But more particularly, it enables sophisticated analysis of data. Not least, it enables personalised analysis of data. The classroom used to be fairly secretive. Now, everybody's fingerprints are all over the classroom in its digitalised form. You can't escape. Um, But it does enable you to look at those sorts of variables that indicate where students either may be struggling or may not be achieving the levels of performance that are desired how will the quality assurance agency begin to build in to its own procedures those processes that enable that continuous data driven evaluation of students particularly student performance um, and suggest that that contributes to perhaps a wider evaluation based on outcomes rather than processes not least in the teaching excellence framework so big data I think is a really big challenge for the quality assurance agency um, what, it will, what will it do? It will do. Um, what it ha- happened with audit uh, firms after Big Bang in financial services? Increasingly, the quality assurance agency will develop its own consultancy, as is Ernst and Young and other audit firms. To the extent that those institutions, particularly new ones that want quality support, will now begin to have to pay for it. Thank you. I've had a red card. I better depart quickly. Thank you. <laughs>